former Florida State Representative Joe Harding gets six months in federal prison. If you don't know who Joe Harding is, he's the 36-year-old Florida state legislator who introduced and then passed the infamous Don't Say Gay bill. Turns out he ripped off taxpayers. Last March, he pleaded guilty to wire fraud, money laundering, and making false statements in his scam to land $150,000 in federal COVID-19 relief loans. But he never said gay. And now he's going to prison, where they never say, may I? The judge in Donald Trump's civil fraud trial fined Donald Trump $5,000 for violating his gag order on Friday. Trump, who has already been found guilty of inflating the value of his properties by as much as 2,500%, told the judge, $5,000? I can't believe you just fined me $50,000. Sure, I have the $500,000. Five million is a drop in the bucket for a mega billionaire like myself, but this is about freedom of speech, guaranteed by our First Amendment to every trillionaire out there like me. Judge, doesn't a gazillionaire have a Second Amendment right to say whatever he wants? Why am I, Donald Trump, a Google heir, not entitled to my Third Amendment rights? This country is so unfair to infinity heirs. Unquote. That's what he said to the judge, Judge Arthur Engren. That's what he said to Judge Arthur Engren, the presiding judge, who warned Trump that the next time he violates his gag order, Donald Trump will be found in contempt of court and then jailed. Judge Engren ordered Trump to remove a social media post accusing Engren's clerk of carrying on an affair with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. You know, Trump agreed to take it down. He didn't. Then the judge asked him again. Donald still didn't do it. And that's when Donald was slapped with the fine. But it is kind of funny to think that Chuck Schumer would have a mistress. Tanya Chutkin, the D.C. judge in Trump's 2020 election interference trial, froze the gag order she imposed earlier in the week so that Trump's lawyers can appeal her ruling. Donald thanked the judge for freezing the gag order and then called her the C-word. Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, who had been scheduled to testify against his old boss this week in the fraud trial, bowed out, citing a medical condition. A medical condition, yeah, it's called Donald Trump is going to throw me off a building if you don't provide me with security. But Cohen said on Friday his bombshell testimony will take place next Tuesday. And after that, Jim Jordan will take him for a drive and Michael Cohen will never be seen again. Two co-defendants in the Georgia RICO trial reached a plea deal with prosecutors. In exchange for lighter sentences, they agreed to testify against all 17 co-conspirators. Kenneth Cheesebro, one of the primary architects of the false elector scheme, pleaded guilty on Friday. And NYU law professor and former Defense Department special counsel, his name is Ryan Goodman, he says Cheesebro's guilty plea in Georgia now opens him up to prosecution in each state 
that sent Trump's false electors to Washington because it was his memos that included fake certificates to fill out. And those certificates and his memos served as the template for the false electors in Georgia and other key states. Sidney Powell, who Donald Trump was hoping to make a special counsel in the Justice Department to prosecute Democrats for voter fraud, also pleaded guilty on Thursday. This is more bad news for Trump since this RICO trial is proceeding exactly as District Attorney Fawny Willis hoped it would. Her plan, flip the low-hanging fruit and work your way up the chain until the only one left in the courtroom is Donald Trump. Sidney Powell agreed to plead guilty to six counts of election interference and four counts of looking like every poetry professor who gave me a D. It went like this. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you are giving up the right to a trial by jury? Yes. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you're giving up the right to remain silent and not to incriminate yourself? Yes. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you're giving up the right to confront witnesses that the state may bring to testify against you? Yes. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you're giving up the right to assistance of counsel hired by you or to a court-appointed counsel if you cannot afford one at trial? Yes. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you're giving up the right of the presumption of innocence? Yes. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you're giving up the right to testify on your own behalf and to present other evidence? Yes. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you're giving up the right to subpoena witnesses and compel the production of evidence? Yes. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you're giving up the right to have the charges against you proven beyond a reasonable doubt? Yes. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you're giving up the right to appeal if convicted of these charges after trial? Yes. Has anyone forced, threatened, or promised you anything in order to enter into this guilty plea? other than what is recited in the documents now. How do you plead to the six counts of conspiracy to commit intentional interference with performance of election duties? Guilty. That is what justice looks like. Thank you, Madam DA. Thank you. Besides a $6,000 fine, Sidney Powell was sentenced to six years probation. And most importantly, she understands the terms of this agreement. She understands that this plea is predicated on the accuracy of future testimony against her co-conspirators. This is not good for Trump when his attorneys start flipping. Not good. Kenneth Cheesebro pleaded guilty to one felony charge of conspiracy to commit filing false documents in the false elector scheme. That was on Friday. And in exchange for his plea, prosecutors dropped the other charges against him. Cheesebro was sentenced to five years probation, 100 hours of community service, and ordered to pay the state of Georgia $5,000. He also promised to assist prosecutors in this RICO trial with future testimony as needed. Not good for Donald Trump. Both Powell and Cheesebro agreed to write apologies to the people of Georgia for trying to disenfranchise chise them, try to deny them the right to vote. That's essentially what the false elector scheme was. Not good for Trump. Robert Katzberg writes in Slate that Trump's lawyers, who are now serving as cooperating witnesses for Fawny Willis, 
they are blowing holes in Trump's defense because Trump's defense is going to be he was merely the victim of bad lawyering. Pal, Cheesebro, and probably Rudy will end up testifying that it wasn't bad lawyering. It was bad clienting. They were acting on Trump's orders. This is bad for Trump. You know, Trump hasn't had a good day in years. He really hasn't. His poll numbers are up, but he hasn't won anything in years. Starbucks Workers United is being sued by Starbucks. Starbucks Workers United represents 9,000 baristas and other employees of the coffee chain. It's a brand new union. We've had their reps on the show and we support them 100%. Now, Starbucks has yet to iron out a contract with this union, and that's in direct violation of the National Labor Relations Act. The fines, however, if you watched Bernie's committee hearings, the fines that are leveled against Starbucks for ignoring this union are considered just the cost of doing business. Well, Starbucks is suing the union for trademark infringement, saying this union used the Starbucks logo in social media posts to declare solidarity with Palestine immediately after the October 7th slaughter in Israel. Florida Republican Senator Rick Scott called that post disgusting. This from a man, Rick Scott, whose health care company ripped off Medicare to the tune of $1 billion and was ordered to pay one of the largest fines in Justice Department history. He had no choice after that but to run for office. I think uh, Rick Scott lost the moral high ground when he was born. In their suit against this union, Starbucks says customers were appalled to think that Starbucks was officially endorsing the actions of Hamas and says the company's reputation has now been damaged. The Starbucks Workers Union is suing Starbucks for defamation, accusing Starbucks of calling their workers supporters of terrorism. Way to stay focused on the prize, Starbucks Union. You're a labor union. Your enemy is Starbucks, not Israel. Really, I mean, whichever side you fall on, this is why we're not going to get Medicare for all. When you start introducing wedge issues that have nothing to do with the prize, think of the prize. We're all upset about what what when happened uh, and what's going on. But you're a labor union, and your job is to get union benefits for your workers not opine on whatever strikes your fancy. But I don't know what to think. I really don't. Luckily, Rob Schneider weighed in and said Starbucks should fire all the union members right now. So thank you, Rob. I, you helped me figure out which side to be on with the union workers. I uh, don't think they should be weighing in on subjects that have nothing to do with helping their workers, but uh, I'm still on the side 
of the labor union. So Rob Schneider said, fire all the uh, the union activists. Others called for a boycott of Starbucks. Well, that's it's all good. It's good to have this conversation because, you know, this will solve the crisis in the Middle East if we argue about this and only this and get worked up over this. It'll solve the Middle East and it will help those Starbucks employees fighting for union benefits. So it's good to have this conversation. Hassan Minaj has reportedly lost the job of host as The Daily Show. He, he had it. But then there was a New Yorker hit piece which revealed Hassan Minaj had relied on what he called emotional truths instead of actual truths in his comedy specials. And apparently, at least according to The New Yorker, he played fast and loose with the facts on his television show. So Hassan was all set to be named permanent host of The Daily Show. The contracts were readied. They just had to be thought. It just had to be signed. And he figured, hey, the New Yorker wants to interview me. (laughs) That's great. Hey, mom, the New Yorker is going to interview me. This is going to be great. I'm going to be the host of the (laughs) the Daily Show. And they're doing a profile of me in the New Yorker. Wow, the sun is shining on me. Well, what could go wrong? Everything. Uh, After that piece came out, Comedy Central uh, said, no, 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 no deal. And uh, Hassan thanked Comedy Central, said he can't wait to start hosting The Daily Show starting this Monday. So uh, Roy Wood Jr., nobody listens to me. Roy Wood Jr. as host of The Daily Show. It's obvious it should be Roy Wood Jr. Dave Chappelle, Thursday night in Boston, accused Israel of committing war crimes in Gaza on stage. According to the Wall Street Journal, a member of the audience told him to shut up, which prompted others in the crowd to chant Free Palestine. Sounds like the perfect venue to work out the situation in the Middle East at a Dave Chappelle concert. Others in the crowd began chanting, what about Hamas? It's like the Oxford Union. It's like watching a debate at the Oxford Union. And audience members then began walking out as Dave Chappelle refused to back down. But there's no question he didn't back down, but he He alienated a significant portion of his Jewish fan base, which is why Dave Chappelle would be well advised to get back to doing what he does best, dunking on transgender women. Because on any given night, they only make up fewer than like, what, 1% of his audience? I guess Dave Chappelle forgot stand-up comedy's golden rule when it comes to being an edgy truth teller. Only pick on the people who are outnumbered and too afraid to bite back. Stick with othering transgender people, Dave. That's that's edgy enough for you. This is the mop-up for October 21st, 2023. I'm David Feldman.
please like this episode. Please share it with your friends. The only reason you're listening to me right now is because somebody shared me with you either in an email or on social media. So if for some reason you enjoy this, not sure why, uh, and you want to thank me, the best way to, to thank me is to share this because nobody's giving me any help here. The only people who are helping me are the people who listen to this show and Smigel and Sam Cedar. But, you know, nobody's, this is up to the audience for me to, uh, uh, I hate needing people. Ugh. I just hate needing people. Uh, subscribe to my newsletter. Thank you to everybody in the chat room. And we have a poll. I forgot about the poll. The uh, There's a live poll going on right now in our chat room. And it's the question is, uh, what? who is uh, Jim Jordan's dominatrix? Is it a man, a woman, or his sister? That is the poll, and I will show you the results of this poll at the end of our episode. There is a live poll going on right now in our wonderful chat room. What do you think? Who do you think is Jim Jordan's dominatrix? Is it a man, a woman, or a sister? I'll tell you what I think at the end of the show, and we'll find out what our chat room thinks. Matthew Graves, the U.S. attorney for Washington, is in charge of prosecuting hundreds of January Sixers, and he testified that threats against his office have intensified and become, quote-unquote, pervasive. Graves was testifying in a closed-door session of the House Judiciary Committee, looking into whether Graves was cooperating fully with the special counsel investigating Hunter Biden. Graves, according to Politico, refused to answer some questions, saying he feared his answers might jeopardize the lives of his Justice Department employees. He said, because the government is going after Trump and his supporters, there is now an unprecedented level of threats aimed at the people below him in the Justice Department. Politico reports that special counsel Jack Smith had to pay $2 million for federal marshals to keep his team safe between November of last year and March of this year. And now he's paying for more federal marshals. And Tanya Chutkin has round-the-clock security. And Fawny Willis has round-the-clock security. And Letitia James, any judge, any prosecutor who goes up against Donald Trump needs to be protected. The House Judiciary Committee is chaired, this was all before the House Judiciary Committee, and it's chaired by Jim Jordan, who lost the speakership on Friday. He lost the speakership, and it's becoming increasingly obvious that he lost it because of the death threats leveled against Republican lawmakers who wouldn't vote for him. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. The Jordan reign of terror in Washington, D.C. 
is over. Over after a resounding defeat on Friday in a closed-door session, the GOP House caucus told Jim Jordan, enough, enough with the death threats, Jim. After Jim went down, the Republican caucus rushed into conference and voted by secret ballot. They wouldn't, they didn't want to go on record. They're afraid of their physical safety. They, they voted by secret ballot on Friday and whether to remove Jim Jordan as their nominee for speaker. 112 Republicans voted to oust this monster, and 86 voted to keep him for fear this wasn't really a secret ballot. He's going to find out and kill me. Early Friday, before the third round, Jordan held a brief press conference to warn everyone he was prepared to go for as many rounds as it's going to take for him to win But after the third round, they took a vote and they ordered him, you're done. You got your three rounds, you're done. A disappointed Jim Jordan met briefly with reporters after he lost the nomination and said he will work hard to elect whomever the caucus nominates for speaker. I mean, the same way you worked hard last week for Steve Scalise. Jordan said he now plans to get back to work for the people. So I need to get back to work for the people. And he said, he said, there are several depositions that need to be taken looking into Hunter Biden. That's what he said. I got to go do the work of the people. There are depositions that need to be taken to investigate Hunter Biden. So basically, when he says he's working for the people, he means Donald Trump. The third round began with former Speaker Kevin McCarthy nominating Jim Jordan and singing Jim Jordan's praises by calling him a fighter, right? And and Elise Stefanik, in the first round, when she nominated Jim Jordan, she said, he's a fighter. Because if there's anything that will unite this fractured caucus, it's a bloodthirsty Napoleonic pugilist. That's what they need, a fighter. In his nominating speech, McCarthy then praised Jim Jordan's legislative record, and that got a big laugh because Jordan never passed one single bill. Then McCarthy praised Jordan's sense of humor, his charm, his warmth, and his commitment to protecting college wrestlers from getting sexually assaulted by team doctors. In the second round, Jordan had 22 defectors, and in the third round, there were 25 Republican defectors. But to his credit, he seems to have won over half of the 50 Never Jordans from a week ago. A week ago on Friday, there were 50 absolutely Never Jordans. He attributed bringing it down to to 25. He, He said he did that by talking with them privately while his surrogates showed up at their homes to kidnap their children and kill their dogs. Jordan got 194 votes on the House floor in the third round. And that means he broke the record for lowest number of votes for speaker by any candidate from a major party in American history. The previous record was held by Jim Jordan after round two. He keeps smashing records and plates over the heads of anyone who says they're not voting for him. 
somebody should do a welfare check on Jim Jordan, the, the wife, the kids, and I hope there are no pets in that home. God help the pets. As Jim Jordan's hopes were quickly dashed, Jim sat there quietly, praying that tonight, Madame Lafarte, his BDSM mistress, would smack his nasty fanny with a wooden spoon while ordering him to chew on her bunions. After Jordan lost, McCarthy blamed who he calls the Crazy Eight, the Crazy Eight, for putting America in this place. Those are the eight people who voted to make him vacate the chair. And then he specifically blamed Matt Gates, who started all this. So, before Jordan was removed as the party's nominee, after he lost the third round and before they went into conference to vote him out, thinking there might be a fourth round for Jim, Matt Gates wrote a letter to the caucus saying, this is true, if the holdouts, if Jim's holdouts switched and voted for Jim Jordan, Gates would let them punish him any way they saw fit. This is absolutely true. He wrote a letter to the caucus and said, if you vote for Jim Jordan, you can punish me any way you see fit. Senator Lindsey Graham immediately burst into the caucus room, insisting he was Congressman Sato Sidisto from the great state of West Dakota. And he brought out his feathered tickler and went to work on Matt Gates's junk. And that's it for the week. They're done. They all went home. New candidates for speaker must declare by Sunday. A candidate's forum has been scheduled for Monday, and then a secret ballot to nominate a speaker designee. We'll, we'll hold that Tuesday morning, followed by Jim Jordan taking a nine iron to the skull of whoever wins that. As many as 12 members of the caucus are prepared to declare their candidacy for speaker, and that's a lot of people for Jim Jordan to strangle by Tuesday. McCarthy warned the job of speaker is third in line to the presidency, which is why he did such a third-rate job. McCarthy dismissed the nearly dozen of new candidates saying they were not qualified the way Scalise and Jordan are. But Scalise, the majority leader, says he will not make a second go at Speaker. Scalise said he gave it a shot once, and if I try again, Jim Jordan will kill my daughter. Nick Lalota of New York, a Republican, said it's futile to expect any of these backbenchers to launch a campaign for Speaker in a matter of days when you consider Pelosi and McCarthy spent years building the necessary goodwill to win. Interesting point. It takes a long time to, to become speaker. You got to make people like you. Punchbowl reported late Friday that they spoke with Kevin McCarthy, and he is now prepared to endorse House Majority Whip Tom Emmer, uh, Emmer is now barricaded in his congressional office while Jim Jordan is pounding on it with an axe, shouting, here's Johnny. 
But Emmer, if he survives Jim Jordan, uh, Emmer, uh, with Scalise uh, out of the running, Emmer is theoretically the only one left in the leadership who comes close to being a seasoned political pro who knows how to do the job of speaker. And late, late, late Friday, he said he's probably going to run uh, just as soon as Jim Jordan releases his mother from the trunk of his Subaru. Just as soon as Jim Jordan unpacks Emmer's mother, put, takes her out of the, the cellophane, takes the duct tape off her mouth and lets her breathe again, uh, Emmer, well, it's, it's all up to Jim Jordan, he said, but uh, he wants to see his mother again. As whip, Emmer's job is to whip the caucus, to whip them in line. And Lord knows he's done such a fantastic job so far, right? The, the caucus is so disciplined. It's, it's like watching cats in a whirlpool performing synchronized swimming. In 2022, this genius, Emmer, headed the Republican Congressional Campaign Caucus. Specifically, his job was to dole out funds for the midterms. You know, create that big, massive red wave that everybody was expecting. But he did a piss poor job. That big red wave, except for the blood coming out of Jim Jordan's office. Uh, everyone, we were all expecting a big red wave, uh, but Emmer couldn't make it materialize. He he left Republicans after the midterms with an unworkable five-seat majority. So my prediction, he's going to lose, and we will never have a speaker. I, I don't see a way forward. I really don't. I, the only way forward is November of 2024, when America has to vote. I don't know how we get out of this. I'll talk about it in a second. It, 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 there are some ways out of it. But, you know, the Republicans are run by fascists who hate democracy. And this caucus is sure making the best argument for them. Because Emmer has yet to endorse Donald Trump, the former president's surrogates, Boris Epstein and uh, Steve Bannon are working the phones, getting their thugs out to, to try to block Emmer's rise to speaker. These are ugly people, very ugly, ugly people. So the continuing resolution expires on November 17th, and then the government shuts down so the Freedom Caucus gets exactly what it wanted. Uh, that's November 17th. The, the continuing resolution expires, the government shuts down, and the bodies of all those congressional pages Jim Jordan butchered in a fit of rage this morning will start floating to the surface of the Potomac River. Pretty sure by November 17th in the Potomac, they start floating to the surface. So look forward to that. The floaters... Will, will be going by in the Potomac. I hope it's not frozen by then so you can enjoy Jim Jordan's handiwork. Still no budget for 2024, 
even though the fiscal year started on October 1st. Joe Biden is back from Israel, where he spent seven hours. You need, I think you need like, from what I understand, you need like nine hours to see Israel. Seven hours, you're cheating yourself, Joe. Nine hours, then you can take it all in. After Joe Biden went on national television Thursday night to make his case, on Friday, he officially requested $100 billion in emergency funding for Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan, border security, and building a wall around Jim Jordan. Biden is bundling it all together. He's bundling it all together, calling it a national security bill. That's that's how he's doing it. And members of the Freedom Caucus and Matt Gates hate packing separate funding bills into one massive spending bill because it's a form of blackmail. They feel this is all an all or nothing approach and it runs up deficits and strips Congress of their right to say yes to this country and no to that country. Republicans want to aid, want to give aid to Israel as soon as yesterday, but Ukraine, you know, they want a lot of the people in the Freedom Caucus want Putin to win. So they want to, they want these funding bills severed so they can vote for them. What is it, a la carte? It's like your cable package. That's, that's how they bundle these supplemental bills. I talked about this. They're saying, if you want C-SPAN, you also have to pay for Fox News. And no, I just want to pay for C-SPAN. Well, we've bundled it together. So if don't you want to support C-SPAN? Yeah, but I don't want to give my money to Fox News. They're my mortal enemy. Can't do it. So I guess you don't support C-SPAN. No, I support C-SPAN. I just don't want to support Fox News. And that's basically what this funding bill is. Instead of allowing the Republicans to say yes to Israel and no to Ukraine. The bill asks, this is what uh, uh, Joe Biden is asking. And McConnell, who's the Senate minority leader, Republican, and uh, Senate majority leader Chuck Schumer, when he's not having sex with Judge Ergeron's clerk. Uh, They've kind of agreed that this is what they're going to ask. They want $61 billion for Ukraine, $14 billion for Israel's military, for Iron Dome, $14 billion for the Mexican border, $2 billion to shore up defense against China, $10 10 billion in humanitarian aid and 4 billion for Jim Jordan to release Tom Emmer's mother from the trunk of his Subaru. He's a nasty man, Jim Jordan. There were death threats. I, I you know I I'm, I'm not exaggerating. You, you should most of you know this, but if you think I'm these are nat He's an insurrectionist, Jim Jordan. The funding package would pay for 1,300 new border patrol agents. Waste of money. 
1,600 asylum officers. That's not a waste of money. And this is good. 375 teams of immigration judges to process asylum claims. That's we need more immigration judges and we need them in uh, it, in places that are not so remote where the people who can come and give a home to these migrants in places that people can get to. We need to improve uh, the immigration judicial process for another show. In his interview with Punchbowl News, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer tearfully said, quote, the threat of Hamas has to be eliminated. This idea of a ceasefire and allowing Hamas to continue to exist so they can do it again, nuh-uh. That's what he said. Nuh-uh. No one in Israel is for that. Well, if you can eliminate Hamas, right, the same way uh, you eliminated the Taliban, the same way uh, it took 10 years to find Osama bin Laden, can you eliminate Hamas? George W. Bush gave an interview over the week, uh, over on Thursday, and said, "We got to go in there. Israel has to go in there." You want to take advice from George W. Bush? I don't know the answer. I, I, it's not my. Uh, I don't know any answers. I I I want. Uh, to save lives and stop the killing by any means necessary. Stop the killing. And I'm not an appeaser. Okay? Well, how does all this get done? Acting Speaker Patrick McHenry said the House Armed Services Committee, the House Appropriations Committee, and the House Foreign Affairs Committee are fully constituted in pouring over Biden's new supplemental. And he expects a vote once they elect a speaker. Of course, by then, all these wars will be over. And we're going to have to start all over again with a supplemental for the new wars. I don't think, uh, I don't know how we, I don't know how we pass these supplementals with no speaker. Uh, It's worth noting Acting Speaker Patrick McHenry is serving under the terms of a law that was passed after 9-11 to ensure if the elected speaker is incapacitated through like a terrorist act, Congress still functions during a national emergency. But like McHenry, that law is oddly ambiguous. So... With a government shutdown looming and no 2024 budget, McHenry's role was designed precisely for this moment. But instead of bin Laden, Congress has been struck by Matt Gates. This is becoming a national emergency. And that's why that law was written after 9-11. Uh, They took a wrecking ball to the House of Representatives. It it was just domestic terrorism. 
And so an argument could probably be made that given the national crisis the Republicans are creating under this law, McHenry might have the full powers of speaker and could open the House for business. However, McHenry says he would resign if he was forced into that role because Jim Jordan would kill him. Late Friday, he did say that he was willing to revisit Thursday's plan. I don't know if you remember the problem solvers plan uh, that it lasted for an hour. You remember this? Uh, they were going to forego the election for speaker and instead pass a resolution giving McHenry temporary emergency powers. And McHenry said he looked into it, and that is constitutional. Uh, but a lot of people think that opportunity uh, has slipped away. And by that I mean uh, if McHenry agrees to that, uh, Jim Jordan will kill him. Jim Jordan is still loose in Washington this morning. What makes McHenry uh, appealing is his seeming uh, lack of ambition and thirst for power. It's kind of like Tom ending up with everything in this series finale of Succession. That's the people who want it the least, but are secretly the most cunning, end up getting everything. So it will be interesting to see if McHenry ends up becoming like a full speaker, you know, acting like I don't, turning it away like Julius Caesar. They kept handing him the crown. No, I don't want it. I don't want it. Uh, that's how you end up being a Caesar. Just, no, please, I, I don't want it. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak and pray for peace. Pray for peace by any means necessary. Uh, I thought Joe Biden's advice and his speech uh, were statesmanlike. And uh, I know everybody is has different opinions, uh, and uh, I have my private opinions. In my heart, I know that peace and love and forgiveness saves lives. Revenge, I understand revenge. Uh, but peace, love, and forgiveness is the only solution. Talking, negotiating, diplomacy, not smashing things, not bullying. We saw that on Friday with Jim Jordan. He thought he could just take a baseball bat and make everyone bend to his will. People don't like that. George W. Bush, after 9-11, thought, I can take a baseball bat and make the Middle East bend to my will. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. It would be nice. It would be nice that if you could 
win a war. Uh, the only war we ever won was World War II. And right? World War One was an armistice. Just gave people time to reload. Uh, Korea. We don't. We, nobody wins wars. They never end. It feels good in the moment to to want to exact revenge. Uh, but is it justice? This is what justice looks like. This is what justice looks like. Okay? Because I wake up every morning and I hate all 19 of the co-conspirators down in uh, Georgia. Okay? This is what justice looks like. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you are giving up the right to a trial by jury? Yes. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you're giving up the right to remain silent and not to incriminate yourself? Yes. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you're giving up the right to confront witnesses that the state may bring this to testify? This is Sidney Powell. Yes. Do you understand and this that is by what guilty, the Hague looks right like, the International Criminal Court looks like. You can play politics. You can lie. You can threaten. But when you're brought before the court... Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you're giving up the right to testify on your Everything own changes. Other this evidence. is the only yes. place Do you understand that by pleading guilty, we can find justice. And the idea yes. after 9-11 was not to bomb Afghanistan. Yes. It was to bring these terrorists to justice. And we Yes. Brought them to Gitmo, but now we can't put them on trial because Dick Cheney ordered them to be tortured. So their testimony doesn't hold up in court. It would have been satisfying after 9-11 to have held the Nuremberg trials. But John Wu, the Berkeley lawyer, wrote the torture memos and... We waterboarded all these suspected terrorists, so now their confessions don't hold up in court. Real justice is the Hague and the International Criminal Court, not getting a baseball bat and smashing skulls. That's the truth. And the sooner America learns that, the quicker we can get Medicare for all, free tuition at all public universities, food stamps for people who need it, public housing, pointing fingers and trying to parse whether or not somebody's a militant or a terrorist isn't going to bring peace in the Middle East. I understand the need for revenge. I've been a vindictive, I've had my fantasies, but I can assure you, peace, love, understanding, and justice, real justice in a real courtroom where America joins the ICC, we become signatories to the International Criminal Court, and we listen to the United Nations, that's how you make people safe. 
Franklin Delano Roosevelt understood that. John Kennedy understood that. President Eisenhower understood that. And Joe Biden, Joe Biden understands this. Joe Biden is restoring the world order. All these agreements, nay, all the things that Donald Trump uh, wanted to take a, a wrecking ball to, NATO, right? Donald Trump wanted to pull out of NATO. Joe Biden is restoring the world order set up by Franklin Roosevelt. And that's the answer. Not going it alone. And like, uh, like uh, George W. Bush, the U.N. said, don't go into Iraq. And he said, F you, we're going in. But we should have listened to the world. And uh, we'd have a lot of uh, uh, American soldiers uh, living here with faces. There are a lot of soldiers who came home without faces because George W. Bush didn't want to give Saddam time, negotiate. It's my way or the highway. Well, we saw how that worked in Iraq. We saw how it worked in Afghanistan, Vietnam, World War I. The only way you win a war to get everybody to stop and forgive is Dresden, Hiroshima. And we're not going to do that again. Total war. You can only win a war if, you, if you're committed to total war, total destruction. Is that what you want to do? Do you want to salt Carthage and have that on your conscience? Or do you want to obey the holy book, everybody's holy book, love, forgiveness, love, forgiveness, Diplomacy, talking, understanding, listening, because this, it doesn't work. If it worked, I'd be for it. I have a lot of rage issues, believe me. If it worked, I'd be all for it. It doesn't. It just feels good. It just feels good. All right. Oh, the results of the poll. I almost forgot. And I know people, here we go. Um, where's my, how does this work? If it worked, oh, okay. We have 982. See, I, okay, I'm surprised by this. This makes me happy. I would just like to do a show where all I do is this. So we have 985 votes. The question is, Jim Jordan's dominatrix is a man, a woman, his sister. I am surprised by the results. The, the third answer, the third highest answer, coming in at 14% with 989 votes, a woman. The second highest, I thought, would be his sister, but that got 41%. And uh, coming in first is a man, 45%. Interesting. Well, the correct answer is 
his sister. I don't know. I don't know. I do know that Jim Jordan is unhappy today. And anytime Jim Jordan is unhappy, it's a good day for democracy. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we had a good week. It's a good week. Jim Jordan was defeated. The Republicans uh, did something right. Donald Trump got slapped with a uh, $5,000 fine. That's good. His lawyers flipped on him today. Sidney Powell, Kenneth Cheesebro. 1,014 votes now. Hang on. Okay. We have 1,014 votes. 44% a man, 14% a woman, 41% his sister. Okay. It's, it's within the margin of error. I'm going to say his sister. I'm going to say it's a, it's a, good, it's a good week, a successful week. When, when Donald Trump is standing in front of the courtroom doors insisting that Mar-a-Lago is worth $2 billion and freaking out, and, and uh, Jim Jordan has to look in the mirror and be reminded who he really is, it's a good day. Please share this. Please like this. Please subscribe. Thank you to everybody in the chat room. Uh, thank you to Bob. Uh, I think that's it. Okay. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Have a great weekend. 